Oh, good morning. Good morning. It's good to be back at Glendale Baptist Church. I hope you all are doing okay. Amen. God is good, is he not? And it uh, really is a pleasure and a privilege to be standing before you all this morning to share God's word with you. Um, family and I always enjoy the time that uh, we spent here, and it was wonderful to receive an invitation from Pastor Jones, who I'm so grateful to for uh, his mentorship in my life, and grateful for all of the, the deacons here today for uh, Pastor Fred and his administration. So thank you all for inviting us and having us here. And uh, let's look into the word of the Lord. Um, we read from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10, and also uh, verses 16 through 20. And um, if you don't mind, I want to take the time just to read that second passage one more time. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted and Jesus came and said to them all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold I am with you always to the end of the age amen uh, let's pray again. Lord, we are so grateful to be in your house today with your people. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see these wonderful things from your word. Transform our hearts. Comfort us today from your word. May you be seen. And Lord, may our lives reflect that we have seen you. May you be glorified. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. I was uh, in a funeral service yesterday, and as we were at the gravesite, um, my mind remembered a story today about a young boy who was driving along with his father, passed by a, uh, a graveyard, and asked his father, what is, this, what is this place for? He'd passed by it before, but never really understood. And his father said, well, this is where they bury the dead. And this is where one day when, I'm, when I die and when you die, that you'll also be buried. And he noticed that there was a grave that had just been dug up, had just been excavated. And when the son saw that and he saw the mounds of dirt around this hole, he said, pointed to it, and he said to his dad, look, dad, one got out. His dad said, no, son, they're about to bury somebody there. But, you know, we're here today because 2,000 years ago, one got out. And he didn't get out to go back in. He got out to stay out. And the Bible claims, as we recited in our creed today, that Jesus 
lived, he came, he lived, he died, he was buried, but he was raised from the dead on the third day. Amen. And he is now alive. And when he got out, it changed everything. And it changes everything because he's still out. Because Jesus continues to live and to reign in the affairs of men, in your life and in mine. And uh, he continues to be involved in our lives, in the affairs of his church. He's concerned with every aspect of your life. Do you believe that today? And he's not just concerned in order to see what he can do uh, to you, but also through you. He's concerned with our lives, with what's happening to us. He's concerned with working all things out for our good and for his glory. And how do we know this? Because Luke, uh, the gospel writer and also the writer of the book of Acts, he records that Jesus was going to one day ascend back into heaven after his resurrection. And But before Jesus ascended, he gave his followers some instructions that were rooted in the assurance of his power in the assurance of his authority and his ever-abiding presence in our lives. He assigned to them the greatest mission that could ever be given to human beings. And he told them, again, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And we know these commands as, uh, in church parlance, as the Great Commission. And it's given to those who are followers of Jesus Christ. And these instructions define the life mission of every disciple of Jesus Christ. He didn't just give this commission to just some of us. He didn't just give it to uh, just the special saints, the gifted, the brave, the talented. Uh, he didn't just give it to the outgoing. If you have witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ, these words that Jesus gave, this mission that he gave is for you. It's for us today. And you may have heard about the Great Commission and Maybe it inspired some fear in you. You said, well, I'm not a missionary. I can't go across the nations. I can't speak another language and speak to other people about the gospel. You might have said, well, I, I can't convince anybody else to follow Jesus. Um, you might even be saying, I just don't want to do that. I just don't want to tell anybody else. About I know what he's done for me, but that's what he's done for me. And, you know, I, I, you may think that it's not right to force your religion on anyone else, and you'd pro you wouldn't be alone. A uh, recent surveys or, or study found that 47%, <clears throat> nearly half of all uh, millennials, and I know that doesn't include uh, some of us here today, but I, I think it probably expands beyond that because nearly half of millennials believe that uh, and they're professing Christians. They believe that sharing their personal beliefs about Jesus with someone else is wrong. And I understand the hesitation at times. But I want to submit to you that what we are inviting people into is a personal, life-changing, life-giving, eternal, 
relationship with God himself who came into this world as Jesus Christ. And because he's God, he is sovereignly and graciously in control of everything. And because he's God, he is always with us. Do you believe that? He's with us when we're sleeping. He's with us when we're having lunch with a friend. He's with us on our jobs, whether we're on the factory floor or we're in the boardroom or in, we're in a meeting room. He is with us. And so I, what I want to share with you today is the fact that Jesus has both empowered us and he's promised to be with us as we go and make disciples. Jesus has both empowered us and promised to be with us as we go to make disciples. So first from our text, we will see that Jesus has complete authority in heaven and on earth. And second, what we want to do is look at Jesus's instructions to his followers. And finally, thirdly, we want to notice in our text that Jesus promises to be with us. Again, number one, Jesus is complete authority. Number two, Jesus is clear instruction. And number three, Jesus is comforting presence. So let's talk about Jesus's complete authority. In our text, Jesus is speaking to his followers on the side of a mountain in Galilee. And I want you to, to picture this with me. These men and these women that are standing before him now, uh, they're, they're, they can't be the same people that have walked with Jesus or before they met Jesus. They're different people now. Look at what they have witnessed. They've walked with Jesus. They've seen how he's lived. They've seen the people that he's healed. They've seen the miracles that he has performed. They've felt his mercy and his compassion for the world. But just recently, everything has changed. They watched Jesus die. They watched him, uh, they mourned his death. And they watched him buried in a tomb and uh some of them, as they're standing here on this mountain in Galilee, and they see this risen Christ before him, some of them prostrated themselves before him. Just like when we read in verses 1 through 10, the women are coming from the tomb after being told that he's no longer in the tomb. And they meet Jesus on the way. And I wonder what you would do if you just met Jesus on the way after going to visit him in his grave. They just fell down on their faces and worshipped him. But here he is standing before these disciples on this mountain and they walk up and some of them hesitated. Bible says they doubted and that's what it means here that they hesitated. They weren't sure what they were seeing. Can you imagine the flood of emotion that you would feel if your teacher, your leader, someone you invested your life into died this cruel and public and shaming death that Jesus did, and now he's standing in front of you. Could this really be him? <laughs> and if it is him, then the Romans and the Jews didn't defeat him, and he really is the true king. But why in the world, if you're the king of the universe, you've just defeated death, would you meet with this group of fishermen and Shepherds and tax collectors and even prostitutes, former and business leaders and, and even some religious leaders who followed him. Why would you meet with them on the side of, of a mountain? And I want you to also think with me for a minute. If you were standing there, how would you have reacted to Jesus? 
What would have been your response to him? Would you, would you fall down and worship him? Or would you doubt? Would you hesitate? The question is, as I behold the resurrected Christ, do I believe that he is worthy of prostrating myself before him, of giving him complete worship and adoration? And that means what I'm doing is abandoning everything else to not only do what he says to do and do it how he says to do it, but to believe him and him only. In other words, do I believe that he is in complete control and he's worthy of my worship, my complete devotion, because that's what worship calls for, our complete trust in him and our complete devotion. And on this mountain, Jesus addresses their doubts. He sees their hesitation. And in the comforting way that he says things, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Friends, this is a remarkable claim because there is nothing and there is no one in this world, in this universe, with more authority than Jesus. And so, that's why Jesus can tell and can confidently tell these apprehensive, hesitant disciples to go and make more disciples. Listen, the reason that we go is not our authority. It's because Jesus has complete authority. It's not our strength. For, so for those of us who are hesitant in our worship, those of us who sometimes don't trust Jesus all the way, I want you to know that Jesus is saying to you, I am declaring to you that I am the King of kings, I am the Lord of lords, I am in control, you don't need to worry, you don't need to fear, why? Because all authority has been given to me, and you go because of that. And in this gospel, in Matthew's gospel here, Jesus is life, death, resurrection. Uh, Matthew has been setting up the story right from the start that Jesus is the king of kings, that he is the Lord of lords, that he has authority over life, death, the grave. Uh, he has authority over sickness and demons. He has authority over world powers, world rulers. He is the authority who rules as the sovereign king over everything. And there's comfort from knowing that Jesus is the authority. What confidence we should have as we face this world because Jesus is our authority. But what happens sometimes? Sometimes we feel as if so many other things are in control of our time and our lives. We've got responsibilities at work from our supervisor. We've got clients who dictate our time. We we seem to be controlled by what the legislature decides or what the, the president says or what the economic report is or what the bank account says you have there. Or, or we, we may even allow our time to be controlled by entertainment to try to escape from it all. So here's a question. Have we granted some things in our lives more authority than Jesus? Have we allowed these things to command our attention and therefore commission our activity? Have we granted some things in our lives more authority than Jesus? But conversely, what is possible in our lives if we recognize that Jesus 
is our authority. If Jesus is the authority, here's a question, who can stop us? If Jesus is our authority, what can stop us? As Jesus speaks to this group on the side of the mountain, he's letting them know that they have all the tools necessary to go because he is the authority. He's in control. He's risen from the dead. Death could not hold him. And he is giving his disciples, those of us who believe in him and trust in him, even if we do so hesitatingly, he's giving us everything we need because he's giving us himself. Amen? And the disciples could now give themselves to making more disciples because it, it wasn't their pedigree, it wasn't their position, it wasn't their stature in life, it wasn't their homiletic or apologetic arguments uh, that was going to make them successful in spreading the message of Jesus Christ. It was because of his authority. And within just a few years, this group of people would be known as the ones who turned the world upside down. And I want you to know that as you sit here today, you have, if you have trusted in Christ alone for your salvation, you are under his authority. So as you go, he's going to turn your world upside down because he is with you. Amen? So as we go under his authority, I also want you to know that we have Jesus' clear instructions to make more disciples, to see more lives radically and eternally changed through an encounter with Jesus Christ who rose from the dead. And to paraphrase, these are Jesus' clear instructions. He says, as you go, make disciples of all nations. How? By baptizing them into the body of Christ and teaching them to observe or obey everything that I've commanded you to do. Now notice, Jesus did not say Go, therefore, and make converts of all nations, teaching them just enough so that they can be a good church member, teaching them just enough so that they don't embarrass the rest of us, teaching them just enough so they can avoid any blatant sins that are going to make us look bad. He said, make what? Disciples. And what really is a disciple? A disciple is more than just a student. You know, a student is is typically studying a subject or a particular profession and you become very uh, uh, studious, you become knowledgeable in uh, the tenets of that profession. But a discipler is more than that. A discipler is a follower, a follower of a person and a disciple commits him or herself to that person and to their way of life. And the word of that teacher means more to that disciple than the opinions of family or the opinions of friends. It means more than their possessions. A disciple of Jesus enters into this personal relationship with him. And this relationship is so close that the, 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 the Bible describes it as being united with Christ. It's a supernatural relationship. And because Jesus is God, uh, our relationship with him is an eternal relationship. And how do we enter into an eternal relationship with Jesus as his disciple? Here's how, here's how by, by believing that Jesus lived a perfect life and he lived a righteous life that we're failing to live. He lived it on our behalf. And then 
We believe that Jesus died on the cross to take the final punishment for our sins. And believing that we are trusting God to not only forgive us of our sins, but to wipe away all of the violations of of his law from our permanent record. All on the basis of what Jesus has done. Mark Dever once said that being a disciple of Christ does not begin with something that we do. It begins with something that he has already done, that Christ has done. And that includes your decision to follow Jesus. The disciples of Jesus who are being commissioned in our text are following Jesus because he graciously chose them. He told them to follow me, and they did. And I I want to encourage everyone to follow Christ in this way. That's how I was encouraged by my my parents and by uh, my pastors and, and by friends to follow Christ and be his disciples. So the call from Jesus to follow me that came to us from a friend or from a neighbor or from somebody that loved us now comes through us to other people. And we're calling them to say, look, come and follow Jesus Christ and be his disciple. And disciples don't just believe in their teacher or just follow their teacher around. They also obey him. They obey him. One of the first commands that of a a new disciple that uh, they will obey is to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, in the name of our God. And when we're baptized in his name, we are both symbolically and literally identified with Jesus, his life of obedience to the Father, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave. That means that we are also going to be raised uh, uh, from the death of our sins to a life of righteousness with Christ. To be baptized in his name means that we're no longer our own master. We're no longer the captain of our own ship. We now belong to the one who has saved us and because of what he has done for us, we're grateful to live our lives in obedience to him. And in obedience to him, we make disciples of all nations. Jesus' followers originally thought that Jesus came in order uh, to be just the king of Israel and then to restore that nation to, to military prominence and to political prominence. Uh, dare I say it, he, he really believe, they really believe that uh, he came to make Israel great in that nation. But I want you to know that Jesus wanted them to know that he is not just the king of Israel, He was a king of the world. And because he was a king of the world, he was through the obedience of his disciples, the church. He was going to push back the darkness of sin and brokenness in this world that plagues our lives and our homes and our communities in every nation of the world. It's through the obedience of his disciples that the love of God is experienced in this world. We have Jesus' authority and we have his instructions. So as we go into the world in obedience, it changes things. Not just spiritually, but socially and culturally. Why? Because you have new uh, disciples, people who are being remade in the image of God and being sanctified in the image of Christ. 
coming into the world, going into their workplaces, going into the cities, going into the dark places, and making a difference. And that's why Jesus taught us to take care of orphans and widows and the refugee, and we obey. Submitting our lives to this great commission means that it means the salvation of people from every nation, from every tribe, from every language, from every tongue. And you don't have to go far to do it. What a blessing it is to live in South Florida, right? Many of you are from other nations. And we have the nations right here at our doorstep, do we not? We don't have to travel overseas in order to quote unquote be a missionary. Your mission field is right here, right out your front door, right in your workplace. And we step into it, not just with his instructions, but we step into it with his authority. But not only do we, do we go with Jesus' authority and with his instructions, I want you to know that uh, disciples are walking through life with others, teaching them what it means to have their lives radically altered for eternity because they believe in the risen Jesus Christ who lived for their righteousness and died for their sins. But uh, it's not these things alone that motivated and comforted the disciples. Remember, these disciples are there and some of them are really nervous, hesitant. But Jesus says something that changes it. He says, behold, I am with you always. Now, now, how would Jesus be with them always? Soon after Jesus gives them these words and this mission, he ascends back up into heaven. They are there and physically he leaves them going up in a cloud. I can only imagine the moments after that. Are you still sitting on that mountain with me? Can you imagine the moments after that as you see Jesus go up in a cloud? After three life-changing years, he's gone. But Jesus had never led them astray, and his promise resonated with them. He said, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And what they started to recall was what Matthew wanted us to know again as the author of this gospel. As he was recording Jesus' life, he starts his gospel in chapter 1 with the fact that Jesus would be called Emmanuel, right? God with us. And he ends his gospel with Jesus saying, behold, I am with you always. This has to be one of the most important and comforting concepts for a Christian to grasp that Jesus is and continues to be God with us. And until Jesus' death, the Israelites, they had to come from all over the world to Jerusalem to experience the presence of God. Why? Because that's where the temple was. And in the temple... There was a room called the Holy of Holies. And in the, in, the, in the room called the Holy of Holies, there was a piece of furniture called the Ark of the Covenant. And before Christ came, that's the only place in the world where they knew that the presence of God lived or dwelt. 
This is where they came to worship. They came from all over the world. Those who were in the, the chosen people of God. They came from all over the world to come back to uh, Israel, to go back to Jerusalem, to offer sacrifices, to pay for their sins. And they came together to pray. Why? They would meet God at the temple. But after the events in our text, the disciples followed Jesus' instructions to meet in an upper room to pray until they were baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit uh, is called the Spirit of Christ. And so we see in, in, in Luke's writing in, in the book of Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. They saw flames of fire hovering over each one of the disciples' heads. And that fire represented the presence of God. Just like the pillar of fire that went before the children of Israel in the wilderness, that led them through the wilderness, that was the presence of God. And from then until now, on that day that we read about recorded in Acts chapter 2, from then until now, believers no longer have to travel to Jerusalem in order to experience God's presence. Why? Because God's presence dwells in his disciples. We are the temple of God. And because of God's promise, we know that his presence is with us at all times, in all places, wherever we go. Amen? So when we, we think about that Jesus has said, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He's not saying, I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm coming. Or, or he's not saying, uh, I, I'm, I'm just here, I'm around. That's not what he's saying. At the end of the age, Jesus certainly will be back here physically. But until then, his very real presence is with us. He is in us, never leaving us never forsaking us. Through his Holy Spirit, he is living inside those of us who are trusting in him to save us. And he's not just watching over us. Amen? The child of God does not just need to take comfort in the fact that angels are watching over us. We take comfort in the fact that his spirit is in us, he is with us, he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us, he'll be with us wherever we go. Amen? So as Jesus' disciples were preparing to go and make disciples of, in every nation, baptizing them, teaching them to observe everything that he has taught them, he wanted to, them to know, you're not going to be doing any of this by yourself. I am with you. And if Jesus is with us, what does it mean? It means that he knows where I am. Not just physically, but emotionally spiritually at every given moment he knows my fears he knows my hesitation uh, to obey him in this task to go and make disciples and God is not God is not nervous that you're going to mess up his plan he, he's not sitting up there scared that somehow oh if I trust him oh I don't know if he's going to going to make it work remember he's there talking to a group of disciples, he's standing there in front of them, and some of them are hesitating, doubting, and he still commissions them <laughs> to go and make disciples. 
So I want you to know, he entrusted them with that mission. He told, he told them to do this, and he told us to do this. Not because we're fearless, not because we're so confident in our own ability to convince anybody, but because he is with us. Amen? So when I'm apprehensive about talking to a friend or a, or a neighbor or a coworker about my relationship with Jesus, I need to remember that he's with me. He already knows who I'm going to talk to. He already knows what I'm going to say. He already knows I'm nervous, but he's with me. Amen? And Jesus longs to capture the hearts of his creation so that all of us may worship him as the one true and living God. Friends, listen, this great commission task, it would be impossible. It would be an unfair task. It might even be offensive unless you have seen the resurrected Christ. And unless you have been told that you are, if you're going to go anywhere as his disciple and make other disciples, you're there under his authority. You've got his words and he has promised to be with you. And so then the most loving thing that I can do is take God's presence with me and share him with somebody else. The most loving thing that I can do is to trust that God is going to transform everything around me because he is with me. I, I want you to know that you don't have to go to your job and think I need to be this, the full-time missionary on this job. I need to make an announcement and put uh, put it up on the board that I'm the Christian around here. And if anybody has any problems, I can introduce them to Christ. I'm not saying it's the wrong thing to do. I'm just saying that when you go to your job, can you just do an excellent job on your job? Be the best accountant you can be. Because you're not just any accountant. You're an accountant with the spirit of God inside you. And just, can you imagine trying to tell somebody about Jesus when you're not been a good accountant? Can you imagine trying to witness to your client when you haven't been a good plumber? I'm not saying that we just preach the gospel through our actions. No, we've got to use words. But, but your words will take more action once you have done the most excellent job, knowing that you are the presence of God wherever you are. Amen? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, knowing that you have and you are under his authority, knowing that you have his clear instructions and knowing that he is with you. In the name of Jesus.